My intent in the study is to fill you so full of gratitude in this time of year, that's that's what will consume your heart and mind, and therefore, then you'll act on that. Good day, good day. The great Matt Guybe here from the Kingdom Corner podcast and also the Heavenly Mandate Ephesians Coaching class. And today I want to start a series, a series of lessons on cultivating an attitude of gratitude, cultivating an attitude of gratitude. And we will first start out and we'll give you an introduction. I'm going to have at least probably three lessons on cultivating an attitude of gratitude. Uh, I think this is a great time of year to start that based on uh, it has been uh, a week ago that we had Thanksgiving. So we're going to talk about what it is to be grateful, what it is to have gratitude. Uh, There's some beautiful thoughts, beautiful passages that I have to share. So let's get started. Cultivating an attitude of gratitude. Let's look at that word cultivate. Cultivate means to prepare, as in preparing a garden or preparing to plant crops out in a field. Uh, The tractor would take with the tines that the tractor pulls and plow or dig or turn up the ground. Uh, In our own garden, we use a hoe at times to uh, unearth the ground, to turn it over. And then also the other part of that is a lot of times we will fertilize the ground and feed the ground um, so the seeds that we put in will grow uh, better. Uh, in, in other aspects, metaphorically, we could say to cultivate means to develop something or someone to foster uh, a, a, an attitude. That's what we're talking about here, or to pursue something. In the Bible, Hosea 10, 12 says, Sow or scatter seed to yourselves in righteousness or in justice. Reap or harvest in mercy, which is loving kindness and steadfastness. Break up, that is what we're talking about, to till up, to furrow, uh, newly or flesh, freshly plow the soil, um, your fallow ground. That's ground that hasn't been tilled up, that's hard untilled, tillable soil. So that's cultivating. Hosea 10, 12, we used as a scriptural example. And attitude. Let's talk about this word attitude for a minute. This word is not specifically found in the King James Version of the Bible. Um, The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines the word as follows. A, it's a posture. B, it's a mental position or disposition. C, it could be an emotion or an act or attitude or state of mind towards someone or something. D, it's a readiness to respond. Do you have that attitude to respond to something? And E, today in our society, we may find when we talk somebody, talk about somebody, he's got attitude. A lot of times we mean that in a negative way. He's got attitude. They're negative or they're defiant. That's how we mean it. Sometimes you could say, I guess the other way, is he's got attitude, meaning he has the right attitude. It's just depending on how you uh, use the word. The New American Standard Bible and Amplified Bible uh, do use this verse. So we'll we'll look at that for a second. We can pull up 
some other translations of the Bible. Colossians 4, 2, Colossians 4, 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in an attitude of thanksgiving. Also, Philippians 2, 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, or mindset would be the way to say it, which was also in Christ Jesus. And what was his mindset? One of um, just co- totally giving of himself to others, a total unselfish lifestyle and mindset. That was um, Jesus' way of life. Okay, so when speaking of what the word means, the Bible speaks of then goodwill, uh, being goodwill, having a goodwill, uh, doing something wholeheartedly, or it also speaks of mindset. Hebrews 12, 28. We're going to look at this verse uh, in the NASB, in the Rotherham, in the English Standard Versions. Uh, to show you uh, what, how the connotation, the meaning uh, of this word better. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude. Since we have this kingdom, the kingdom of God, it can't be shaken. It's a, a permanent kingdom. It's an everlasting kingdom. Unlike all the kingdoms that we have seen in the earth that come and go, Rome and Egypt and Persia, and probably soon, sad to say, maybe our United States. But we have a kingdom that will last forever. It cannot be shaken. Because we know we have this, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. The ESV would say, let us be grateful. Since we have this kingdom that can't be shaken, let us be grateful. Um, The Rotherham version says, let us have gratitude. So it's a good way of use of that word. Um, So let's go on. Gratitude. Let's, Let's go on and talk more about the word gratitude. Cultivating an attitude of gratitude. Gratitude being the key word. In the Greek, when we're talking about this word here in Hebrews that says gratitude, uh, that they're translating gratitude or grateful, it's the word cherish, cherish or grace, cherish or grace. That's what the literal Greek word is, is cherish. And that means that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, grace of speech. Let me say that again. That which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, grace of speech. That's what the definition of attitude, or I'm sorry, gratitude, having that attitude would be. Also, goodwill, loving kindness, favor, We could say the merciful kindness by which God exerts his holy influence upon people, upon souls, turning them to himself or turning them to Christ. How he keeps or strengthens or increases them in the Christian faith Mm. through knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of a Christian virtue. Isn't that a wonderful meaning? So we're talking about gratitude, cherish, cherish, or grace is the word used here 
in Hebrews 12, 28, which gives a connotation of what we're talking about when we're talking about gratitude. It's the merciful kindness of God that he influences souls with. Uh, that's beautiful, beautiful. And God wants to develop that in his sons and daughters. It is from the root word chario, chario, uh, literally or figuratively, figuratively uh, spiritual, uh, can be spiritual, especially the divine influence upon the heart. Can be literal, you know, this chario, uh, influencing somebody with love. You take over, it's the Thanksgiving season, Christmas season, a bag of groceries to someone. That's showing up. You're having an act of gratitude for what God has done for you, and in turn, you're giving something to somebody else. You're you're trying to influence them in a good way. Um, <clears throat> divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life, including gratitude, acceptable, beneficial, favorable, a gift, gracious, joy, liberality, pleasure, thankfulness, or thanks. Thanks worthy. That's all what chario and charis have to do with, uh, which is gratitude is made up of those things. Now, I want to look at, before we leave here today, I want to look at Ephesians 5 and verse 20. I want to go there. Uh, first of all, I'll say what we're going to get into. Before we go to Ephesians 5, 20, uh, I want us to look at, let me see if I can pull it up here. I want us to first say we're going to go in this into this in the in the lessons that will follow the next few weeks uh, when we're talking about cultivating an attitude of gratitude. In the scriptures, I found what I would call a tribe or family of gratitude, and it's made up of these words of these um, made up of these words in the scripture, which we're going to really dig deeply into. I believe there's a family or tribe of gratitude that really define what gratitude means. And these words are blessing, thankfulness or thanksgiving, rejoicing, praise, honor or reverence, joy, and, and all those words. Let me read them again. Blessing, Thankfulness or thanksgiving, rejoicing, praise, honor or reverence, and joy. All these also could be said to be synonymous with worship and adoration. We're talking about of God. Because gratitude, I believe, genuine gratitude always points back to God. Anything that to be grateful for should always point back to its origins with God the Creator. My intent in the study that will follow in the weeks to come is to fill you so full of gratitude in this time of year, the Advent time, the Thanksgiving time, that's, that's what will consume your heart and mind, and therefore, then you'll act on that. You'll be, uh, it'll, it'll impact your emotions, it'll impact your actions. We could talk about the devil's language, Versus heaven's language. Heaven's language is made up of blessing, being thankful, rejoicing, praising, honoring and reverencing God and others, having joy, 
That's, that's, that's what the language of heaven is made up of. The language of the enemy or the language of the world, uh, and we know a group that was like this from the Old Testament, is made up of grumbling, complaining, finding fault. And we know what happened to those people, do we not, in the wilderness? Uh, they didn't make it out of the wilderness. Let's have the language of heaven, blessing, rejoicing, praise, thankfulness, honor, joy. And we're going to go into those uh, in the next lessons to come to really, really, f- you know, flesh out the meaning of those words and really give you something to chew on, give you something to meditate on that will fill your mind and fill your heart again in this Advent season. So with that said, let's go to Ephesians 5.20, because we're also talking to the Ephesians coaching class. I'm going to have a coaching class in Ephesians. I'm going to coach people, teach people through the book of Ephesians. I have almost 50 different lessons that prepared for that class uh, that I would like to teach and uh, train people and coach people in. So let's refer then, when we're talking about gratitude, let's refer to this scripture, Ephesians 5.20. This goes right along with what we're talking about. Always giving thanks. We could say always giving, being grateful to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. Always, at all times, whatever life may throw at you, we need to begin to learn to be thankful to be grateful to God in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ for everything, it says. And we're going to get into that a little bit later, what that really means. Always giving thanks. Oh, my, that's that's a great phrase. There's a need to always give thanks. There's a need to develop in the Christian heart and mind always an attitude and a heart of thanksgiving. Gratitude should be consistent. It should be something that um, we live in, we breathe in, we move in. As Paul said, I live and breathe and move in God. That should be part of what we live and breathe and move in. Always giving thanks to God the Father. Emphasize here, we want to emphasize here that our gratitude is always toward God. Gratitude is a synonymous word. It's originated from God. I believe the root basis, nutshell meaning of gratitude is originated in a relationship and, a, and, a, and an acknowledgement of God, the Creator, God, the Heavenly Father, for everything. That's an interesting phrase. And I think if we really looked into that, comparing Scripture with Scripture, which we can in the weeks to come, for everything, it's meaning having an attitude of gratitude and thankfulness, whatever comes your way in life. Does that mean if your child runs out the door and gets hit by a car that you should thank God for that? I don't believe that's what he means here, though it says for everything. I believe it's having an attitude of thankfulness in the situation, no matter how hard it is. In fact, there's scriptures like in Peter and James where it talks about the trials of life and being thankful for those trials because of the work that they're doing in you and what they're producing in you as a saint of God. Uh, I believe that's what he's really referring to in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that the, that's the, that's the end of it all, isn't it? Jesus Christ. It's all in Jesus. 
the role of Jesus. Jesus was our mediator whom, who opened the door to have a relationship with the Father because he gave his life on the cross, shed his blood for our sin. He was the mediator between us and God. Without him, we wouldn't be able to have a relationship with God. That in itself is something that should make you thankful. So let's let's go to this before we go on a little bit. And before we finish up today, let's go to this part here. This morning I was reading um a bit of a of a of a book uh by George Mueller. It was his um kind of his biography. George Mueller was a evangelist uh, back in Britain in the early 1800s, about 1830 to the 1890s. And do you know he kept a gratitude journal? And, and it was basically made up of the things he was grateful for because he would put down whatever he prayed for, and then he'd put it like a box or something beside it uh, uh, that he could say when that when God answered that prayer. And I read in this book that he had over 50,000 recorded answers to prayer that God had given him to the prayers that he prayed. He, he was a man of faith. Uh, 30,000 of them, it's, he is said to have come within a day or two of when he prayed. He's a powerful man of faith then, was he not? Uh, and, and I found this amazing because I am uh, 68 years young. I'm a senior citizen, but I found this in his in his story, uh, in his bibliography or his biography. At the age of 71, by this time he'd lost his first wife. He was 71. He remarried another Christian woman, and he went on a, a world missionary trip of over 200,000 miles to all kind of countries. He was a missionary, see? For, uh, for for 17 years, for 17 years, when he was 71. Can you imagine that? God gave him the strength to do that. He went 17 years. So 81, uh, he, wa he was in his late 80s when he came back to Britain, right, and retired. He, he came back to Britain in 1892, and he passed away in 1898. Wow. What a productive life for the Lord. He was a missionary to over, I think they said, to over um, 30 or 40,000 children in orphanages. Uh, and and he, he also uh, created or developed or built schools. You know, uh, what a man of God. Uh, keep a gratitude journal. Write down your prayers and then a place where you can record when God answers them. And then you can, that'll give you something to, to be grateful for. That will help you cultivate gratefulness, will it not? Mm, there's a lot there, isn't there? So let's go on. I want to finish up with this one scripture. We're back in Ephesians. Remember, we're talking about the Kingdom Corner podcast, cultivating an attitude of gratitude. Today's the introduction. We could be talking about developing an attitude and seeing things to give thanks for. That could be one of the things we're talking about. Uh, we could be talking about um, praise and worship as well, because this is what this verse gets into. Before we leave today, I want to go to this verse here. 
I want to read this to you and then talk about this for a few minutes. I wrote down some notes on this. Ephesians 1, 6-14, To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished us with in all wisdom and insight. Oh, that's something to be thankful for already, is it not? He lavished his grace upon us. (laughs) right? In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mysterion is the Greek word, the mystery of his will. The mystery was opened up when Jesus Christ died on the cross and the new covenant was developed. And Paul was the apostle of the mysterion, the apostle to the Gentiles to really show them what this, uh, what this wisdom and insight in the mystery of the will of God was. Not just salvation, but the purpose and calling of people's lives. I could just preach on that. Making known to us, here it says it, the mysterion of his will. Do you know the will, his will for you today? Do you know the will that he has for you, the purpose that he has? I would say as you go through our lessons, as our, as you go through our series on uh, cultivating an attitude of gratitude, God will begin to reveal what it is he has planned for you, the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, and his purpose in Christ Jesus, is it not? As a plan for the fullness of time. Wow, the fullness of time. You're in the fullness of time in your life, right? Christ came in the fullness of time. The church is being raised up, it says, in the epistles in the fullness of time. I believe we're in the fullness of time right now, that the gospel will be sent forth, especially with all that we see going on in the world today. Things that I could have never imagined even 20 years ago. The fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose, or or he's been marked out according, that's what it says, marked out, chosen out, according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ may be to the praise of his glory. Woo. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now, I want to just really highlight this phrase. It's beautiful. It has to do with cultivating an attitude of gratitude, and and I'm going to show that to you here a little bit, to the praise of his glory. He mentions that three times in these verses in in Ephesians, in this text, verses 6 to 14, to the praise of his glory. Let's look at that phrase. This part of the phrase emphasizes to the praise, that is, when we look just at that part, that everything God is doing, including choosing and marking out and adopting us and redeeming and sealing believers with the Holy Spirit is done for one purpose, one reason only, that he might receive glory and worship from his creation, from you and I. That's why he's done that. 
It signifies that God's actions are not solely just for us, even though they are. I mean, he saved us by his blood. He's given us the Holy Spirit. But there's a reason he's done that. It's in the end to bring glory to him, that our lives would have a purpose and a meaning, and that we would be sent forth, you know, not just to sit on a church pew, not just to fill a church building, but God has a purpose for our lives. Uh, he wants to use your gifts and your talents and, and, and that to bring his name, his person, glory. Okay, to the praise of his glory. Glory means basically goodness, but it's, I love the word glory. We, we get into that. We will in our study in the weeks to come. Uh, uh, we're going to talk about glory a little bit. It's a weightiness. It's a, ah, have you, it's a weightiness. Have you ever felt such a presence upon you, uh, such a serious presence upon you that it was weighty, you know, whether it was good or bad? We can feel the presence of God in a heavy way. We really can. This portion underscores the idea that glory belongs to God alone. See, God will share his glory with no one, right? Hallelujah. I mean, he'll share it with his sons and daughters, but in the end, it ultimately belongs to him. We can't steal that glory. We can just take part in it, right? We can bathe in it. We can enjoy it. It signifies his majesty, splendor, and greatness. All the blessings and salvation bestowed upon believers are ultimately, and all the blessings he's given us, the salvation, the healing, uh, the Holy Spirit, sealed with the Holy Spirit, are a display of God's glory and goodness. His glory is the central focus of all his actions. He, he has wanted to show forth his glory in all his actions since the beginning of creation when the when he formed the world without when it was made without form, you know, there was nothing to it. And he put it together and he brought the waters in and the light in and the animals in and then Adam and Eve till even though man fell, he was still, he was still by his actions. The end goal was to bring glory, right, to, to his name. So when we read to the praise of his glory in Ephesians 6, or 1, I should say, 6 to 14, it means that God's plan of choosing, adopting, redeeming, sealing us believers is not just about our individual salvation, but is primarily aimed at bringing glory to himself. Believers through their transformed lives, you and I through our transformed lives, and testimony, hallelujah, bring praise, can you say amen, and honor and glory to God acknowledging his greatness and splendor in the process. Can you give him praise today? Can you give him glory today? Thinking of all those things, that's the start of cultivating an attitude of gratitude. This concept aligns with the values of faith and love that we want to, that we want to cultivate. It emphasizes the importance of recognizing God's glory. Oh, we have to be aware of that. There's another scripture, I think, in Romans that said, they were on, uh, and if, and in the epistles where it says they were unthankful because they didn't acknowledge God. <laughs> the beginning, the beginning of cultivating an attitude of gratitude is to acknowledge God. Hallelujah! That's where it starts. Uh, it also serves as a reminder of the profound spiritual truths that are found throughout Ephesians. Let's can talk more about that as 
we bring out next year the Ephesians coaching class. All right? My intent in this study, I'll say it again, is to fill you so full of gratitude that it will consume your heart and mind. I don't want your mind, even though Christmas, I like to give presents, I like to receive presents, that it's not so consumed with all that, but it's consumed with his presence, his presence, right? Right? That's what I want you to be consumed with. Cultivating an attitude of gratitude. Come back again, my friends, to part two of cultivating an attitude of gratitude. And we're going to talk about the family or tribe of gratitude. We're going to go into these words. We're going to go do a deep dive, as I call it. Scripture compared with scripture. Look into the Hebrew and the uh, Greek language to really give us an understanding of what gratitude entails, all the facets of it. We're going to look at, and these are the words I found most prevalent that expressed what gratitude means. Blessing, thankfulness, thanksgiving, rejoicing, praise, honor, or reverence, and joy, which are also all synonymous of worship and adoration. When you're living in an attitude of gratitude, you're living in you're living in worship. You are that. Uh, what does Romans twelve one and two say? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual worship. Hallelujah! When you're in gratitude, when you're in thanksgiving, when you're emphasizing the good things in your life, and you're being grateful for them, even the trials you go through, you're you're seeing the good in that. You're living that life. You're putting your life out as a sacrifice of worship. Be blessed, my friends, until the next time. Thank you for tuning in to Ephesians Mandate and the Kingdom Corner Podcast. Stay tuned next year. In 2024, we're going to launch Ephesians Coaching for you. It's going to be wonderful. God bless you.